Woohoo! We made it. I'm Drew here with my best friend Derek, and Ashley is MIA. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe she'll we'll find her by the end of this episode. Maybe we'll find her next week. But nevertheless, the show must go on. So Derek and I just got back from October 26th, 1984, the past. Derek, what were we doing there? Well, each week we travel back in time to the best year ever to watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And maybe visit a special kind of theater this week. <laughs> um, so the movie we watched is pretty hard, pretty, pretty scandalous. And it was playing at a very independent theater, <laughs> let's just say. What was the what was the crowd like in this theater, Derek? Uh, yeah, I couldn't really see anybody. Um, I could just see their their outlines. It was right. it's pretty dark. Like a lot of single people. It was strange. Yeah. Like yeah. Everyone spaced out. <laughs> was, not like trying to get the best seat in the house, trying to get the darkest seat in the house. But we didn't let that distract us from the movie. So let's let's get right into it. Don't blink. You are about to witness a crime of illusion. An act of deception. A vision of murder. Brian De Palma, body double. You can't believe everything you see. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. As you could definitely tell from the trailer, that was Body Double, rated R for sex and nudity, violence and gore, and profanity. If you're looking at the poster, it's you looking at a guy looking into some blinds that he's pinching with a um, scantily clad woman between the blinds. So he's pinching the blinds open right around her chest area clutching her pearls um, which are dangling into the middle of her chest and the tagline is you can't believe everything you see which you just heard in the trailer <laughs> so derek <laughs> can you sum up the movie body double in 15 seconds or less oh yeah. uh yes all right, so Body Double is about this guy named Jake who walks in on his wife sleeping with somebody else. For some reason, he wants to go to an improv class and gets manipulated, and then somebody else manipulates him, and I think it's just a whole film about him learning how to act. Wow, that was perfect. Yeah, it's... You, okay, everybody, that's um, a wrap. Oh, there's the, <laughs> there's the end of your timer. Um, <laughs> the the movie definitely makes you question like is this a dream is this all an acting exercise is like he just trapped in this like state of paralysis and all of this is a fantasy in his head and i think you know we're we're getting ahead of ourselves but i think you're right i think that's basically the case that he was just uh trying to 
complete that second take in the Dracula movie, right? I think so. Yeah. So he invents this insane, elaborate like scheme in his head. And there's all sorts of clues that it feels like unrealistic in a, or, you know, too twisty and, and like too much of a Hollywood cliche to be true. Uh, everything we're watching, but at the same time, it's also like riveting. So it is extremely dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Melodramatic. Um, you might say so. Yeah. Had you heard of this movie, Derek? Do you have any backstory with this movie or Brian De Palma? No, I don't. Um, I, yeah, I don't have a backstory. And when I, when you said that we we're going to watch this, I thought that just based off the title, I thought it was going to be like a family friendly, like Freaky Friday esque movie. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, um, it reminded me to look up the dictionary, the literal definition of body double um because you're thinking body swap yeah but nevertheless it's still kind of the same concept uh a stand-in for a movie actor used during stunt or nude scenes so the title for this movie gives away the big plot twist basically yeah it does actually in hindsight yeah so it's (laughs) even the title itself is kind of like self-referential and and uh plays with the whole Hollywood cliche that the movie is is kind of highlighting. So for me, I had heard of this movie and never seen it, but I'm a big fan of some of Brian De Palma's other movies. Uh, Carrie is one of my favorite uh, horror movies in general. And then the movie that is probably that this movie references the most and is inspired by the most is Hitchcock's Rear Window. And, and that's my favorite hitchcock movie where this dude witnesses um he has like a a broken leg so he can't leave his apartment so he's just staring out at the courtyard um throughout the movie and he witnesses a crime and then once he's you know he he tries his best to like stop what he's what he's witnessing from his window um so this movie has (laughs) basically the same plot uh, uh but done in a much more campy way, which which I always like. Should we go through some of the highs and lows? Yeah, sure. I would like to start. Go for um, it. Well, so just the the soundtrack or the the score was just really amazing. Yeah, let's hear it. Bass comes in. So that's such an upbeat um, little melody, and yet it plays at the most inappropriate times. It plays like when, right when he's about to start, like uh, peeping on the woman across the street. Like <laughs> clearly, he's he's thinking of it as like an old Hollywood romance, and she's. I mean, it turns out that she was doing it for him anyway but not not in the way he might have imagined um the plot of this movie is insane <laughs> by the way <laughs> i mean you're right that it's all in his head but what actually happens is that the husband of the woman across the street hires a body double 
to stand in for his wife and then tricks this um, actor dude into staying at his house so that he can witness the murder and be an alibi or so that the husband is an alibi because he's out of town in Seattle or whatever. Is that the plot? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it, he gets wrapped up into somebody else's murder. But again, is it even real? But he was hired by that dude that he, um, I mean, or the, the dude who offered him the house set it all up. Yeah. 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 It's what did you think of the apartment by the way? Um, or the house, I mean, <laughs> uh, I can't even describe it. It was like a, a space needle, a little mini space needle. They had a gondola ride to get up to it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, through the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> <laughs> it had a circular bed, a motorized circular bed. It had 360 views of Hollywood, of like the Hollywood Hills. Um, it was just one room. <laughs> for all we all we could tell um uh, clearly a set but that's fine uh it was a bar a bed and then two chairs looking out at the at the view but i swear there was a microphone between the chairs right so that's this, like, stand thing yeah so throughout the entire film if you noticed in like mirrors mm -hmm. you would see like camera crews right so that's why i feel like it was all just you know an acting exercise so yeah that, that mike was probably picking up noise as part but of this was, whole big ruse i was like man this would be a cool uh podcast setup <laughs> <laughs> like these two chairs this mic maybe you just like pass it back and forth because <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking about they um during one of the the most fun scenes in the movie where they he gets i guess they go to like a party or does he get cast to do no he gets cast to do a um some softcore porn or maybe it's supposed to be hardcore um <laughs> holly does hollywood and she does it well is the name of the movie <laughs> <laughs> but when he follows her into the bathroom he goes like he closes the door and on the back of the bathroom door is a mirror it does this awesome like it's this really cool camera shot where it shows him but then as he closes the door and walks past it shows the camera crew um, yeah which that 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 scene yeah, just kind of blew my mind in general yeah, and then they have like a really romantic sex scene right yeah is that how you would describe it <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely that's well the guy's like oh so we're not doing um an external uh money shot it's gonna we're just gonna let it be <laughs> off camera <laughs> that was that was one of the more virtuosic uh kind of cinematic moments the other one was the whole stalker sequence so where he's following her through the mall yeah have you ever been to uh hollywood in los angeles i have yeah that that mall is like right on hollywood boulevard near the um chinese theater and kind of just in the main little strip um maybe a few streets a few streets back like hollywood and vine or something and it's always amazing, like so many movies uh, are set in New York and L.A., but L.A. movies especially, like these these settings are not remarkable when you go there in person. But the way he films it and the way it's it's basically it's this courtyard, multi-story, two or three story um, mall, outdoor mall, uh, 
well, the the atriums all outdoors, but the stores, you know, are are obviously <laughs> they have roofs. Um, <laughs> the way he uses like the architecture of the mall is just is so incredible. Yeah, where he's you know standing on a, a balcony of like the second or third story and just staring down at her on the first floor, and then them taking the elevator and it was, yeah, it, it was a beautiful ten minute long uh scene of him just following her yeah and then i mean it, it doesn't even stop there then he follows her to because he, he overhears when he first gets there he overhears her phone conversation on a payphone, which was fun just like seeing them uh, eavesdrop on you know on someone on a payphone. but <laughs> he hears her implore someone on the other end of the phone to meet her at such and such address, which is like this private beachside condo with these stair step uh, balconies. And it's like a private uh, private access, but he just, did you find it weird that she didn't notice him following her the whole time? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a part of me thinks He's that so she, she knew, but yeah, I mean, she never flinched once, so. The the problem with talking about this movie is she did know. I mean, she says she knew when they have their love scene in the uh, tunnel, but they also flash back to that scene when he's in the graveyard or in the in the uh, hole that was dug to bury the other woman, who was actually her in the first place. Like the, you can't talk about this movie in a straightforward way because everything was a twist, right? Probably. <laughs> so yes she did know he was following her but in the moment she didn't she <laughs> was acting like she didn't yeah. and we were supposed to believe she didn't and then well except when he parks himself outside of the store while she tries on panties and <laughs> leaves the like uh, dressing room curtain ajar yeah so I mean like was she doing that for him <sighs> I, I, yeah, I mean, she would have, she would have to, right? She, I mean, she was dancing for him in the first place. Yeah, through the window when he was looking at her through that telescope. Is it the same actress playing both? I don't think. so. I am right? so. I, you know, it. I, I think I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I need to rewatch it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Melanie. Yeah, between the the time travel and the just head spinning plot, it is <laughs> a lot to keep straight. Uh, you mentioned earlier the like the instigating event of the movie where he walks on uh, walks in on his wife uh, having very passionate sex with someone else. Um, it was basically the same opening as old school, <laughs> which I thought was funny, <laughs> <laughs> except there was no um, little person hiding in the closet, like just to <laughs> add more more to the scene. Um, another setting note. I wanted to point out as uh, you remember where Mo used to live, right? Um, Silver Court apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's close to where I, um, where we live in Portland, Oregon. I swear that that courtyard or that building is uh, modeled exactly after the place that he goes to stay before he gets offered the the too good to be true place. Mm -hmm. Like when he goes to his friend's apartment to crash. It looks exactly like that building. Did you notice that? I didn't know. Yeah. 
No, take my word for it. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how easily seduced he was by the whole opportunity to peep. So I, I talked about Rear Window earlier. In that movie, it's much more like earnest in the sense that he's just got like floor to ceiling windows and the apartments are more or less, it's a courtyard there. So he's, uh, I think, technically looking down a few levels or one level, but it's not like he's using a telescopic, telescopic um, lens to look in on someone else. Would you, um, you don't have to answer this as you, but <laughs> did, you know, would that be impossible to like not look at if you were in that situation? I mean, maybe to just you know see and then be like okay maybe you know maybe you should uh look up at the sky with this telescope right but, but the, you know what you were saying is that he got into it very quickly and it became obsessed with looking at her and i feel that when he was doing that improv class and the improv teacher kind of uh hypnotized him mm -hmm. and made him kind of close his eyes and feel that he was uh weak and kind of just a piece of shit yeah and then the wasn't it the um the the uh the actor that that froze in the coffin that was watching him in at the improv i thought no that was him oh just okay. did a ton of makeup so okay okay yeah but he was he kept running into the actor from the improv because he was that guy was following him right well that that actor saw something in him and then, you know, yelled at the improv teacher saying, like, you can't manipulate people like this. And then he brought mm -hmm. the guy out. And then I think that that's he's easily manipulate, you know, easily uh, able to be man manipulatized. Yeah. Well, so that guy like called his he he basically warned him, but was covering it up by saying exactly what he was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he sat this guy down in front of this telescope and then he just immediately became obsessed with it. Yeah. I mean, he he was kind of peer pressured. The main character was sort of peer pressured into it. He's just got like this offer of a lifetime to stay at this uh, this uh, house for very cheap or, or whatever. This super lavish Hollywood spot. And so the guy was like, come check this out, you know, right after he, you know, they were sharing a drink to celebrate the <laughs> his moving in and him immediately leaving, which was, <laughs> yeah. it was all obviously very suspicious, um, but inconvenient, like right when he needed it, that guy, he ran into that guy. And uh, that's because it was, it was all a manipulation, like you said, so. The reason I would have not been able to look away is because of that cool stereo she had in her wall. Did you see that? <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> so she had like a a stereo that was built into the the wall. It stuck out just like the faceplate, like a in dash radio. <laughs> just the faceplate was visible. It had this like uh, graphic equalizer with uh, red and and green bars that was <laughs> very just a cool visual. Um, I, I thought like, I don't know. I mean, the second it's hard, it's going to be hard to look away from the sex part of it. And then on top of that, he sees her put money in the safe. And then on top of that, you know, every time he looks, it gets more 
irresistible. Like then, yeah. it, then yeah. you know, there's somebody else in the apartment. You know, like he that was stalking her. Yeah. Right. And then somebody came and like pushed her on the bed and kind of like beat her. Yeah, I thought that was going to be her husband, but her husband, it, and it could have been because he clearly wasn't in Seattle. Um, so maybe, well, but it was also, I thought that that was just going to turn out to be a film set, but it wasn't really a film set. It was just a film actress that they hired to be in their house. But technically it is a set. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> technically, yes. Um, it's uh, again, yeah. But we can't we can't stress enough how much of a mind fuck this movie is because of the the plot. And if you, yeah, and if you just watch it, it's not. If you take that part of it out of it, it's still its own film. But mm-hmm. there is that underlying like, uh, what's that Jim Carrey movie where he where they're filming his life. Oh, um, gosh. Yeah, it's all in a... Yeah, where he's on the boat at the end and like he hits the wall in the ocean. It's mm-hmm. like a it's a set and the ocean doesn't actually go out as far as it really is supposed to. That's what this, this film reminded me of. It was just like this, this film revolving around this one guy. But I think it was just like an acting exercise, like I said earlier. But The Truman Show. Yeah, The Truman Show. Thank you. It... Any movie, kind of. how do you feel when a movie kind of like pulls the rug out from under you at the at the end? I think we saw it coming to some extent, but did yeah. that make it better when like everything you've seen for two hours is sort of uh, goes up in dust? I mean, <laughs> with the Truman Show, it was interesting because it yeah. kind of un- started up slowly unravel. This one slowly unraveled as well. So no. But it's kind of like one of those ploys where it's like, oh, it was just all a dream or, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't help compare this movie to like a lot of Lynch movies, but specifically Mulholland Drive, um, which might come up later. And in the sense that like that movie is dreamlike and references literal dreams and, and people are kind of like um, experiencing different levels of consciousness and like different states and maybe multiple lives and different timelines this movie wasn't nearly as like um esoteric as that but it's still the same like i don't know i think it's okay if 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 it's working in the moment and in in this case it was sort of intrinsic to the whole story like the whole story was meant to be Hollywood is this facade. I like I like early on in the movie where you think you're looking at um, this like uh, mountain background, and then it starts. They start wheeling it away. Yeah. Like, they're setting you up for everything you watch to be a fabrication, and right. that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but you get like real moments. Um, the other big parallel for me to Mulholland Drive uh was the, one of the most memorable scenes from Holland Drive is when Naomi Watts's character goes in for an acting audition and it's this really kind of like cheesy um, melodramatic uh soap opera and she gives like the most incredible audition ever and the way it's shot and it's probably has some music swelling behind it um 
it's very, very convincing. They did a similar thing in this with the improv class or the acting class that you were describing where he's giving which should be a cheesy monologue about being stuck behind the refrigerator like a sardine playing <laughs> sardines with his brothers is that what it yeah, was yeah that's the game was called sardines did you ever play that no no i didn't it's just like hide and seek but hide and sardine yeah i guess you got to hide in something <laughs> yeah. inside of something not oh, behind right. something i guess yeah so and what happens if they never find me do you think he was so maybe this is maybe this is some of the like emotional depth of the movie do you think he was uh channeling a real memory for that emotion and that's why he's still gets paralyzed in fear as an adult actor yeah i, I yeah i think it was a real thing that happened to him when he was a child yeah yeah and then and the, that acting coach just kind of brings out the emotion right yeah and this he's doing like I don't know what the, the the acting term is, but he's basically giving him a massage. Yeah, on his, <laughs> on like, his neck. <laughs> it's it's so over the top and, and cheesy, like I said, and yet then it all of a sudden turns into like real emotion, and you you feel it. Um, good acting by the by the main the main character. Yeah, I would agree. Um, let's talk about one more really memorable scene before we move yes. on. The whole sequence where um he sees somebody break into her apartment the guy who's been also following her um uh, they call him in 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 india and a native american uh character with like the scarred face um so yeah this is how the that character does away with the woman he's been peeping on Do a drill. Goes through the roof. Or ceiling. Describe describe what we just heard. So I had the pleasure of watching it while yeah. I played that. So this uh what they call him the Indian man? Yeah, they call him an Indian. They probably, you know, not they'd probably say Native American today, but it was like Yeah. It was a reference of like this other this outsider type person um who was a foreigner yeah um so this guy breaks into her house and he's watching it happen through the telescope and when he runs over to her house i forget how he gets in i think he just breaks in and he has like hop a fence and then <laughs> smash a window yeah and then uh this scene is where that uh the indian man has this like three foot long uh drill saw thing yep and he's slowly sticking it into this woman's chest and then the the protagonist what's his name um uh jake jake is a floor underneath and a dog attacks him yeah while this is all happening so he can't save the woman but as the dog's attacking him there's a shot of uh the ceiling with the drill coming through and just blood splattering out yeah, they're basically right above him on the yeah. next level up. The drill goes down in the least subtle fashion of all time. Between the dude, it's shot from be behind between the dude's legs, um, right? You know, through the crotch. It was an uh, amazing shot. It's an amazing shot, and then it cuts, or then it, you know, 
um, pans to downstairs and that's yeah where the the main character is and the blood pours much like Carrie from from above down from that floor uh onto the the main onto the you know main level floor it's there's this oh man which slasher is it where there's um a slumber party massacre i think where the the killer uses a giant drill like that um i guess this movie came before that so maybe that movie was inspired by this but mm-hmm. presumably he had a good reason to have the drill it wasn't just for um killing it was for breaking into the safe i think oh right yeah yeah that makes of sense. course all of this once again the indian um was not an indian at all um he was a uh, he was wearing prosthetics. It was the main, it was the guy who manipulated him into this whole situation. This was clearly the easiest way for him to get away with killing his wife, which would make no sense, except that it does make sense because that wasn't real either. He was, this is all in the main character's head. <laughs> so, <Right? laughs> I mean, it wasn't in his head. It's all it, happening, but does the woman actually die? It's not. She I does, right? So you think this was honestly the way the movie? Well, let's just talk about the very ending. The way the movie ends, it shows him in a similar position to how it begins with him like um, lying on his back and them shoveling dirt from above into a coffin or something, um, and he's he can't move. Right. So I just thought this whole movie played out in the moments between first and second take. Or mm, they were like, I see, I see. You have a, you'll get a second chance. We'll bring you in for a second chance. And so maybe it was like day one and day two. Right. Sure. I could but, see that. I mean, then again, it's because why would the guy... If if it we're supposed to believe this was really happening, not yeah, I, I I'm I'm broken. Yeah. <laughs> well, so just going back to the Indian man, and I apologize if that's disrespectful, but that's what they call him in the film. That's just what they call him. Yeah. Um, did I could tell from the moment that they showed him that those were prosthetics, right? But you didn't okay. know it was the other guy. No, no, no. I didn't, and I didn't know if like the you know, if the they just didn't have a big enough budget to give them him like a scarry face. Well, it was yeah, it was a freakishly um, disfigured face. Like it, it yeah. looked like um, it could have been burnt. At least the only thing that, that sort of made sense to me is when they when he's chasing them at the mall and they open the elevator and it's packed like a can of sardines. Sardines. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the other people in the elevator are like freak out by how uh crazy his face looks so i mean it was supposed to look really yeah. weird um and it turns out the reason it looked like prosthetics i guess is because they really wanted to have the actual actor in there um versus just yeah. like you know so they had to make the the guy look completely unlike himself so that we wouldn't realize yeah yeah um, but other than him were there any characters that you really connected with? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there weren't very many characters. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there was that blonde woman. 
Holly Bobby? Uh, is that the one that was paid to lead him on? I, I, Wait, confused. was his wife paid? <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have a favorite character. I mean, they're all interesting in their own ways. Like, nobody was bad, it seemed. Yeah. You know, except for the killer. I, I appreciated that the the character who played his girlfriend um, who's only seen in the movie is a topless uh, scene of, of her cheating on him. <laughs> uh, her name's Carol is played by Barbara Cram- Crampton. Who's like a legendary eighties um, horror mm. actress. And she's frequently nude in, in her movies. Um, but she's still like uh, acting and stuff today. She's just a really uh, cool actor from the, from the eighties. So, Shout out to Barbara. Shout out. All right. Well, let's take a quick break from our discussion of Body Double while we tune our dials to NR84 for new release radio. This is where we give you a taste of what was happening this week back in 1984. <laughs> you put the boom boom into my heart. You send my soul sky high when you love him starts. into my brain. The song you just heard was Wake Me Up Before You Go Go by Wham, featured in Zoolander, up seven spots to number six on the Billboard Top 100 for the week of October 26, 1984. Derek. What's happening in news and pop culture this week? Oh, some very interesting uh, pieces of information that I okay. found from the newspapers. So happy birthday to Sasha Cohen, who's mm. will Not be Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> no, oh. Who, but uh, this person will eventually be an American figure skater. And she was born in L.A. So so. Who's a better 84 baby, me or Sasha? Who's uh, had a better career? <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> and then, on a, and then on, a, on a darker note, but kind of interesting, um, instead of a happy birthday, it's kind of a sad death day for this little girl named Baby, or well, little baby, uh, famously known as Baby Faye. Mm. She was an American infant born in 1984 with uh with the heart issue and she got a baboon heart implanted or like they replaced her heart with a baboon's heart and she lived for 21 days with that three weeks mm-hmm. yeah. and then died so she died on the 26th sorry yeah. sorry it's a little dark but let's well yeah commemorate baby Faye. that's sweet <laughs> um pour some out and also that would have in the like horror movie version of that she would not have died she would nope. have turned into like yeah a, a murderous <laughs> monkey person um monkey baby yeah <laughs> so um the box office report this week we've got another movie that came out the same weekend if we hadn't gotten lost and ended up at this if Derek hadn't insisted that we go to this <laughs> special theater he called it um then we might have seen the terminator nevertheless we'll see the terminator next week it made four million dollars at the box office um 
crazily enough, as big of a hit as the Terminator would go on to be, it was tied at the box office by this like compilation documentary called Terror in the Isles, which was just a before there was YouTube, obviously, it was just somebody cutting together a bunch of clips from 80s horror movies. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Mm-hmm. Like I tried to watch a trailer of it, but and I've watched parts of it. It's there's not really any commentary. It's just it's just montage. So it's, that's definitely something that you'd watch. <laughs> I, I would watch it, but it get, actually gets old. It doesn't give you any like context, context or yeah. yeah analysis. It's just clips, and somehow that made as much money four million as yeah as <laughs> it made four million. That's hilarious. Um, and then body double coming in at two point eight million at number three. So. Even though you might have had to wear a trench coat and big sunglasses to see it, it was <laughs> enough people put on disguises and snuck away to to view this. We've made a lot of jokes about how X-rated this movie this movie is, but originally it was going to be X-rated, and I think I, from what I read, he didn't have to cut that much. Um, for all I know, we saw the X-rated version. Did you yeah. think this movie was really um, scandalous, Derek? No, not really. I mean, there were definitely parts where they could have taken it a step further, but they didn't. Yeah, like the the whole porn scene. I mean, you know, they they like the the words that they were speaking. They mm-hmm. didn't show all of the the stuff that they were talking about, like you know, right full, full penetration and fisting. Yeah. So she gives him a list of things she won't do um, for his serious movie. <laughs> and it's some stuff that you would not expect an actress to have to clarify that they won't do. Um, yeah. Now it's time for everyone's favorite segment on NR84. Rank the blank. Pew, pew, pew. William Defoe. So this week we're doing sexy movie scene that is stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> no puns intended ever. Um, <laughs> you could go in a, a million different uh, directions uh, with this. The upside down kiss from Spider-Man. Wow. Doesn't get any hotter than that uh, or stickier. Um, <laughs> but on a more adult note, things like, Basic Instinct, Fatal Attraction, um, the Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman marriage ender that was Eyes Wide Shut. Um, you remember Wild Things, right? Uh, yeah. What was her name? I just remember coming out of a pool. Denise Richards and Nev Campbell. Get yeah. Two for one. Jeez. Um, Denise Matt Richards back in the one. day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that one was actually, uh, even though Ashley's not here with us in body. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> this would be a weird episode us. to have with her. <laughs> right. Well, that, honestly, it, would, it wouldn't be terrible. The worst thing to have a woman's perspective. But <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing our best um, to be <laughs> faithful and unfaithful Ooh. to Ashley. Yeah, that was, that was a stretch. But yeah. Ashley did provide a couple um examples we're not going to consider them for the final the final round but she mentioned unfaithful nymphomaniac with shia labeouf which is a movie all about sex um 
Sex Addiction, obviously, from the no, title. Not and then this one is disgusting. Um, shame on you, Ashley, for <laughs> for bringing it up. Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> I mean, I guess if if we're if we're just going on the stuck with you part, sex movie scene that is stuck with you. Yeah, yeah. I'd say this is appropriate. That's yeah. That's probably. Do you want to describe it, Drew? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it's a, no. It's a it's a scene that that everyone knows. Or if if you yeah. don't know it, it, it just Google there's it. No reason for me to describe it. Um, but I think we're gonna mostly focus on sex scenes that, even in a twisted way, are like you know or problematic movie way, <laughs> are hot. Are meant to be perceived as hot, so um, you know the whole erotic leaning into the whole erotic thriller uh, trope. We're gonna focus on hot sex scenes. That well, actually, now that I say that, mine's a little bit of a <laughs> of a mixed bag. But let's go. Let's go right into the final rounds. Which which sex scene should we nominate from um, Body Double, Derek? Um, I don't know. You tell me. I would probably say just like the initial uh, striptease, the initial dance that he he witnesses. It goes on for a long time. It shows uh, full frontal. uh, Well, not full frontal. Well, there's blinds and she's wearing like a a silk satin silk thing over I don't yeah know. but it's see-through yeah that's that's a memorable sex scene or yeah. sexy scene the, it would be either that or when they introduce holly bot holly body but um anyway we'll go with the first one for me um a movie i referenced earlier has a beautiful this is not is like uh tawdry as some of the scenes we've described, I think this is an expression, at least from one person in the scene, of true love and Mahalan Drive between um, Naomi Watts and the other female actress in the movie. You hear the breathing? Kissing? so you can't hear a ton there but you can like it's it's a really quiet intimate scene um dark uh soft swelling music um angela battle one of david lynch's frequent uh musical collaborators uh scoring it it's Naomi Watts is the character that's that whispers I love you at the end of that scene and it's just a it's it's definitely hot and erotic um as as the way it's shot but then it turns into more like sensual romantic territory by the end and you're rooting for their relationship you're not really sure if this is in her head if like the other character has lost um, had a concussion early on in the movie and doesn't know who she is. So it has its own weirdness and layers, but hmm. beautiful scene. What about you, Derek? So um, I just want to do a shout out because I didn't, I'm not going to advocate for this one, uh, but Cruel Intentions has a couple sexy scenes. <laughs> Brother and that's sister, a, that's though. That's a great call. Yeah. Sibling. 
Um, but you know, my mind immediately went to just any James Bond sex scene because mm -hmm. that those right. are just iconic, right? So this one is where James Bond um, meets a woman named Mary Goodnight in his hotel room, and then this is right before he puts her in the closet when another woman comes up to seduce him. Mm. James, I thought this would never happen. What made you change your mind? I'm weak. <laughs> Jeez. He's irresistible. Oh, there's so many things wrong with those films, but hey. Well, I mean, again, yeah, that's like the Bond girl is a trope in and, yeah. of, its, in and yeah. of itself. And this movie is definitely playing, you know, all movies that are in this like genre are playing on like that women are used as sex objects in movies. And in this movie, they're like, it's just literalized a couple more notches <laughs> above that by using them to entrap him yeah. uh, or maybe save him. God knows if we can figure it out. Um, let's start with body double. We've only got three to rank, so it should it should be pretty clear cut. We'll see. Um, <laughs> where do you think body double ranks? Um, just the voyeuristic part of it, you know, whether or not that's appropriate or not. I think it's above James Bond. Mm. So I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna just go with James Bond being third. Okay. So it's between Body Double and Mulholland Drive. I will say cinematically, um, I don't know if we really did justice to sort of the camera tricks that are being used during the the, the peeping scenes. Oh, so yeah. This, like telescope. You're seeing him look through this this huge lens. So what you what you see on screen is like a circular um, crop of the of the movie with like fuzzy dark. Uh, circular edges right. and then they'll like flip a thing on the telescope and it'll like jump jump way in or they'll like turn the the, the frame and it'll focus it's really cool it's like it's a pov of peeping yeah um, and it yeah it goes in focus and out of focus yeah moves around a little bit to follow like yeah it, that was a really cool shot yeah i would say if we're if we're giving it extra credit for that it could be ahead of Mulholland Drive. If we're looking for um, which one's more romantic and sensual, I mean, one's yeah. a solo performance for some, let's just say it is for him because it is, um, but not to turn him on necessarily, but to trick him. Does she know that she's dancing for someone to watch in the, in the version of the plot where she was hired? So you asked a similar question earlier. I'd have to say that, yeah, she does. Okay. Um, but why? Why is, I, I don't know. Like, would you go to um, a strip club where you had more space or like, I don't know what the analogy is. It would just be like, if, if like the a person you were watching was consenting to it, but you could watch them from further away. Well, that sounds like a peep show where like there's a woman dancing and you just right. stare at them through like a hole in the wall. Yeah, I mean, that was I guess that's not a you know, I guess that's a peep show means that they're not consenting. But well, there's there was both, I guess, you know, there was peeping like in Porky's 
in there was like paid peeping yeah um, because people get off on just like even if they know the person knows mm-hmm. that still uh scratches the the fetish itch i guess yeah um anyway i was just trying to like establish whether body double maybe had some merit for like it being an intentionally hot scene but for me it's too murky so i think Mahalan drive is the one that's the most um sexy i would agree <laughs> i love that movie too yeah and that yeah the way you described okay. the scene that we played yeah that's it may not uh, be like the hottest well it might not be like the sexiest but it's the hottest right yeah i mean if we were going with ones that had just stickiness value <laughs> um scary movie one or two has that big sticky scene <laughs> anyway oh <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. A sticky eruption. It's so Mulholland Drive one, Body Double Two, yeah. James Bond's extended catalog um, number three. <laughs> it's almost time to sign off on new release radio for this week and give our final thoughts on Body Double. But before we do, let's listen to a catchy new tune debuting at number 60 on this week's Billboard Top 100. Hope you enjoyed Hello Again by The Cars. Now back to our feature presentation. Derek, once again, often I'm really not sure how the movies we've watched would have been received at the time. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. what the reviews were like for Body Double back in 1984. All right. Uh, let's see here. Looking at the newspaper again. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like a Hitchcock thriller as it is a Mel Brooks comedy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree, but I don't know whether that's meant to be a good or bad thing. Right. I'm not sure either. Um, the next one, Body Double is an exhilarating exercise in pure filmmaking. A thriller in the Hitchcock tradition in which there's no particular point except that the hero is flawed, weak, and in terrible danger. And we identify with him completely. <laughs> okay. Well, Ebert uh, identifies with the peeper. Um, so it's okay mm-hmm. for us too as well. Um, now, I think he's, he's identifying with the emotional like journey that he's, that he's going on. And yeah. what is relatable about this movie, even though we're not in the acting scene or trying to break into Hollywood is that he is like a normal dude who witnesses something bigger than him and he's Mm -hmm. caught up in it trying to do the right thing um but clearly held back by some kind of like blockage or unresolved trauma um so it's excruciating um to see him struggle with it not that he's perfect (laughs) either um how about one more review Okay, uh, let me see. It's a mystery, a romance, a horror flick, and a straight face parody all rolled into one unique little movie. I kind of, I yeah, if if I was writing one a la Ashley, 
um it would have been this is a run-on sentence and and not the not the best wording but i did like the like spirit of it in the sense that it's it mixes a bunch of different genres um it is like a meta commentary while also being successful as like uh, a straightforward narrative like you wanting to know how his pursuit and like uh trying to save her turns out even though even if you have every reason to believe it's not even real you still want to know so yeah. i thought it pulled off all of those different tonal shifts which is really hard to do um where are you at on the review spectrum positive negative positive for sure i liked it yeah like i, I figured. said again uh you know i Let's just go to it. I would rewatch it for sure. I would like to just analyze it a little bit more to to better understand if it's an acting exercise. Does mm -hmm. every you know does somebody actually die? I think so, but I'm sure there's. I I don't know. I wonder if there's like a definitive answer from the director, and I think yeah. he was the I think he was the co-writer on it. Um, I wonder if they maybe they've definitively answered um screenplay by De Palma and someone else yeah yeah um maybe they definitively answered what it all means but if they haven't I'm sure <laughs> yeah there <laughs> are definitely people definitely have um my theory my running theory is that the whole movie takes place while he's you know in that coffin um mm. waiting to do a second take but and that's just his shall see yeah interesting this movie did get um a couple award nominations uh melanie griffith who plays holly body was nominated and uh for best supporting actress and won uh in a couple of different um critical circles so good for her um did you what did you think of her performance um <laughs> <laughs> she was on screen for how long she was on screen nude for a bit. And then I feel like the reason she got recognized is because of the scene where they, they have like uh, those drinks and she's explaining, you know, in the scene after that, like where she's explaining what she will and, and won't do. And mm -hmm. I don't know, it's, it's, she doesn't get a ton of screen time, but she does give uh, a good, performance. A memorable performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's rank this sucker. So on a scale of one to eighty-four, how eighties is body double based on music, wardrobe, actors, um, its legacy, things like that. What do you think, Derek? Oh, uh, I, I my computer's my calculator's broken this week. Um, so I'm gonna have to do this off off the cuff. Um like as I mentioned in the beginning, the music was amazing. So that yeah. that easily gets a fifteen for me. Um the actors and their wardrobes and their hairstyles and big sunglasses, uh, old school the way Hollywood's portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Old school, you know, eighties Hollywood. Um, and some of the, like just the camera work, I would give that like 35. So I'm giving it a 45. No, no, no wait, 50, a 50, 50 out of 84. That's pretty yeah. low on yeah. our scale. I mean, the reason I would probably argue higher, um, What's what's the Tom Cruise movie where he's dancing in his socks? Oh, uh, something business. Risky business. Yeah. yeah. 
so this the the love theme from this movie reminds me of the the tangerine dream score in that i don't know um if any and anyone is famous composed this but the soundtrack is very 80s synthy um pop melody um so high marks for that but just this genre this like mystery or this erotic mystery genre uh is feels very 80s like we there was a wave in the early 90s as well but now it's basically just kind of like falling off the map for the for the most part so i think i think it gets i would put it i would probably put this in the in the high 60s low 70s um but it doesn't look like it's going to crack our top three toxic avenger still at number one with 82 Ooh, yeah. Ghostbusters, 80 and 16 candles 79 so um 16 candles filmed in chicago by the way um yeah. <laughs> we'll call back to nothing <laughs> <laughs> so let's go with uh let's go with 68 okay yeah. 68 i didn't want to make a dumb joke so we'll just 68 one oh, no we <laughs> okay um, you so dumb jokes you would... dumb joke made <laughs> yeah dumb joke danced around uh expertly it danced around yeah. yeah um do you you already said you would recommend some uh this to people would you recommend it to your dad yeah, I would. Yeah. So my dad is a is a listener of the podcast and he typically watches what we watch and I'm pretty sure he watched this. Nice. He was he was uh should we explain why we didn't watch Terminator or did we already do that? Um well because Ashley got lost and you wanted to go to the special theater. Oh right, right. And Ashley said she'd kill us if we saw Terminator without her. Right. Yeah. Okay. But he even knows where she is. So <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully hopefully she I mean, makes it back in time. So to speak. Her, sc- her scooter was charged up so i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend this as well i i'm trying to think of how this could be remade or if do you think more movies like this should be made it probably just doesn't really there i don't know i think lynch does a good job at kind of like blue velvet mall and yeah. drive you know things like that are sufficient like they don't need to remake this but it exists and you should rewatch it or 50 shades i haven't seen that i haven't seen it either but like (laughs) that's they are still making sexy adult movies i guess yeah twilight that's a super Um, sexy this movie was not (laughs) actually an erotic thriller i mean i the the scene that we described at length was arguably kind of hot but it felt weird the whole time so and it was supposed to i mean it was never yeah, supposed to yeah. be purely when they're like making out and almost like having sex in a in a tunnel um and well like in public uh near the beach and the camera is just like spinning around in a really unnatural way it's supposed to it doesn't feel real it feels like no. a, like a dream so yeah um i don't think this is actually meant to be i don't think the sex parts of this movie are meant to be erotic um how should we <laughs> speaking of that how should we um immortalize this movie in the wax museum uh i don't know maybe a sticker well maybe the drill um how about oh the telescope so that yeah. you can um look at other stuff up close charlie <laughs> sheen <laughs> yeah 
yeah, we could have him um, dancing uh, in his janitor's closet, and you can uh, put quarters in the the little telescope, telescope. to, to yeah. watch in. So seems fair. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well. That's it for Body Double. Next week, we have a little movie about a time-traveling assassin, sort of like us. The Arrival. The Target. The Pursuit. God, I can't wait. The Confrontation. The Terminator. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger is The Terminator. Rated R. The number one movie in the USA is now playing everywhere. I'm sure it had a longer shelf life than Terror on the Isles. Uh, but it <laughs> yeah. was, it was, must have been like a movie that grew with word of mouth. It didn't uh, open as a huge movie. And so I don't know if James Cameron was really a thing before before this movie. So. Um, anyway, that's the Terminator. Uh, Derek, you're excited? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've already said it a few times, but hell yeah. The, I love the Terminator. This might so be... I know for me, starting off the year, Gremlins was high at the top of the list of ones I was going to be most nostalgic for, but this is probably going to be high on your list, right? Oh, hell yeah. Just yeah. this concept of a cyborg that comes through time to kill somebody to avoid having cyborgs created. It's uh, yeah i mean Lasers. frankly next week we should probably do something similar with our powers i i totally agree maybe we, we could have we could alter the course of the election just hmm. with our scooters along okay just a thought we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll figure out what we want to we are gonna that is a promise we will change something next week in the past oof nice probably not kill anybody um i mean but, i can't we can't speak for ashley yeah true She's already gone rogue. Yeah, this week. she might have to kill somebody to come back. Yeah, well, whatever it takes. Um, <laughs> subscribe to the podcast by searching for New Release 1984 on Spotify or Apple Podcast or anywhere else. That's a wrap. 